quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. James Orr and Bob the Bow Hunter here. We're in Bering Springs, Michigan at the Compton Traditional Rendezvous. Uh, beautiful, hot, muggy day out here. <laughs> yeah. And we're uh, sitting in the, I think it's like the mess hall, and we have got, who do we got, Bob? Steve Byerly. Steve Byerly. Been talking to Steve for like the last hour, probably. We've been talking hunting. <laughs> And if he doesn't even know what a podcast is, of course. <laughs> he's <about laughs> but he's to. been bow hunting since 1970, and he is a storyteller. And I roped him into coming over here and sitting down with us. So uh, hopefully we're not catching him too too much off guard. But an old bricklayer from Ohio. Yeah, I got a lot of stories. Some of them is even true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to start it out, right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I started in 1970. I uh, always wanted to have a bow, but in Ohio, we never had anything to hunt besides rabbits and pheasants, and I didn't figure I needed a bow to, I had a 16-gauge uh, shotgun to do all that. And then we started getting some white-tailed deer, and I thought, man, that bug is burning me. I got to go, I got to go buy a bow. And I saw all these beautiful bows in the stores, and I, I had to have one, so I went and bought one, and I was an instant bow hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Fifty dollars. I had a forty-six pound bow, and I got—I uh, think I got a half a dozen arrows, three broadheads, and three field points, and a little dinky tab and an arm guard for the whole ball of wax. And uh, that started my bow hunting career, which uh, <laughs> was kind of rocky to start with. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't understand why I could hit the straw bales in the backyard, but I couldn't hit the real things with fur on them (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know anything about buck fever back then we didn't have any we didn't have anything like we got nowadays we had no videos all they had was outdoor life and i just more or less learned on my on myself um, and everything was wrong that i did (laughs) but i didn't know that and uh so was there anybody uh, around you that was bow hunting at the time? Like, what made you decide? Nobody. I'm going to do this. Just. I just got my bow, and and it's like buying a set of golf clubs and going out and playing <laughs> golf with no lessons, you know. And uh, it was, uh, was kind of rough. First year I went to Pennsylvania, after going to Ohio, I saw – I saw no deer in nine days in Ohio. So this friend of mine said, well, let's go to Pennsylvania. I'll show you 50 deer a day. And I said, boy, you're the biggest BSer I ever saw. But he was not kidding. I missed the very first day. I I missed 11 deer. (laughs) Yeah. I missed them walking, standing, running, coming to me, going away from me. I mean, it was was embarrassing. (laughs) 
it was so bad I'd look around and hope nobody was was what? seeing me. <laughs> and the and the last time was almost it was about five o'clock and I heard that if you got up in the tree you had a better chance to kill a deer. So I saw this old rickety tree stand up in an apple tree and I got up in it. Stood there about fifteen or twenty minutes. Heard something moving and I turned and looked and here come a spike buck. He's coming right for that apple tree. And he came right underneath me, 10 feet, and he's chewing apples. And I thought, there's no way I can screw this thing up. <laughs> well, I shot right over his back. Man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I was I was pretty well devastated. <laughs> uh, it uh, it was a rough, rough learning experience. I had 11 shots and never cut a hair off of a deer. And I went home and I joined an archery club the next year and they kind of told me everything I was doing wrong and put me on the right path, and things kept getting better after that. But boy, it was a it was a rough way to start. <laughs> like, what was your progression as far as like learning some of these skill sets? If you you know were starting with really no mentor, um, what was the learning curve? Obviously, learning at the well, believe it or not, tree stands weren't even legal in a lot of states back then. So I learned how to still hunt on the ground. And uh, I got fairly good at it. And a lot of people said, well, you can't kill a white-tailed deer on the ground. Well, I was killing two or three every year in different states, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Just and, still hunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you just had to be careful and take your time and, you know. Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, we talk about it a little bit when we bring up blacktail hunting. The still hunting things like not it's kind of like a lost art out there anymore. Like we we do it a lot for blacktails. You hear guys talk about it, but but uh, you don't hear about it talked about whitetail hunting at all. Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me you just can't kill one on the ground, but yeah. I've I've probably killed thirty five or forty on the ground. Yeah, yeah, and most of the time it was real close shots. I'm talking under fifteen yards. Yeah. But you have to do everything perfect because if you make one little mistake, it's over with. You know, whitetails are pretty smart, especially the ones in Ohio because they they're used to being around people and seeing people, and they don't they don't trust people. Yeah. You know, because people chase them and dogs chase them. And so, but, at some point, Ohio's population must have taken off. At what point was that? Because you guys are known for you know a big whitetail state. Yeah, it, the fishing game did a really great job, and. Um, where the county where I lived, where Columbus is, there was actually no gun hunting allowed in the whole county. So the bow hunters more or less had the whole county to themselves. And and there was some tremendous bucks. I just wasn't good enough to kill one of them. But <laughs> I could kill the dumb ones, but I couldn't kill the smart ones. But, uh, and then um, they finally opened up to the gun season and kind of blew everything out. And then I... When I when I do anything, I always go 100%. I never do anything halfway. And bow hunting was, to me, it was like dying and going to heaven. And was, <laughs> I mean, I love the challenge, you know. Yeah. And um, I read, well, I subscribed to Bowhunter Magazine from the get-go. And, and I read about all these exotic hunts. And you're looking at elk and sheep and goats and caribou and moose. And I'm thinking, man, that's me. That's me. Yeah. I got to work like a dog so I can support my habit to to hunt these things. And I started hunting elk in 1976 in Colorado. 
it was kind of a fiasco. Uh, I, it was a lot of learning and not much killing. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I kept getting better at it. Now I don't kill one every year, but I kill one about every, maybe like every three with traditional year. Yeah. Where if I, when I shot a compound, I, I killed one about every other year. Yeah. So you can see there's quite a bit of difference there. <laughs> yeah, a little different. What what states are you uh, pursuing the elk in? Well, I have hunted um, Colorado, Montana, Alberta, uh, New Mexico, uh, Utah. I think that's it for elk. Yeah. Most of the states. Yeah. Are you giving yourself uh, how much time uh, are are you able to go out and do these hunts? Never enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to be able to stay a lot longer. Sometimes I actually stayed the whole season a couple of times when I first started. And I, I really learned a lot by staying the whole season. <clears throat> but now I can't, uh, I can't afford it. I got to get back home and get to work. Because when you got employees, that's when everything goes wrong. Yeah. When, when you leave, <laughs> like, like the, nobody knows what to do, you know, without the boss being there. So uh, I usually have to cut my hunts short, which makes it really rough it, it's hard enough to kill an elk with a bow to start with and when you only got limited time say you only got like six or seven days to actually hunt you're thinking man if i just had a couple more days yeah. you know but it's not going to happen i got to get home my guys are having problems and you know nothing ever happens until you go hunting and then you know the stuff hits the fan and, you and know. you're a, a brick mason been a brick mason i started my own business in 1964 and uh, been at it ever since yeah yeah it's a good trade keeps keeps me fairly good shape and then of course i work out a lot too yeah i've noticed here in michigan a lot of brick houses you don't really see that where where we live is that oh don't pretty you? pretty standard oh yeah yeah there's a lot of masonry in in ohio and michigan okay all back east i mean yeah really yeah. pennsylvania too yeah, I mean, where yeah, we're we at, we, we, we see, like, the chimney will, will be made out of brick, but that's about it on the house. Yeah, well, we do pretty much everything. Okay. Brick, block, stone, concrete, okay. chimneys, basements, yeah. commercial buildings. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, keeps you busy, I'm sure. Yeah, I just, uh, I just more or less work to support my habit, you know. Pay the ex-wives. I was talking to him. Well, yeah. The only we, guy we better not go there. married three we, times. We better not go <laughs> there. Uh, yeah. Don't it's hard to, hard to keep the women around, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, women, they like to have a man around. And when you're a couple thousand miles away for 10 or 12 days, they, they don't like that so well. <laughs> no. It's hard on a marriage. And then. When you got your own business, you don't have much time to devote to a wife, and they don't uh, they don't care for that much either. <laughs> no. So I'm a three time loser. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. <laughs> so uh, earlier we were talking about when you first started going out there elk hunting, and and you said it took you a long time. It took you a couple of years um, before you made it happen. Maybe you could go over a little bit of. Of those learning curves and and how it's changed now to where you're able to consistently get it done when it took you so long to get it going. Well, like I said, I I what I read all these exciting articles in the Bowhunter magazine and uh, there was like archery and archery world and uh, 
man, I mean, I'm thinking these guys can do it. I can do it, you know. So I got a chance. I ran into a guy at a shoot in Ohio. He was originally from Ohio, but he'd moved to Colorado. And I told him I always wanted to hunt elk, but I just didn't know what, how to go about it, you know, where to go. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, when I get back home, I'll send you a map and mark some places on there. And I said, no, oh, yeah, yeah, you will, you know, and have people talk, you know. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, about two weeks later, I get this package from Colorado, and I got a real nice topo map and all these little X's and water hole here and, you know, a trail here. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it. So I went to Colorado. Man, I learned a lot of lessons, and they were all the hard type, hard type you know, like <laughs> – I made so many mistakes, and I thought, man, is it ever going to come together if I could just kill one of these doggone things? But uh, it was like they went to Colorado State or something. They were a lot smarter than I was. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I had opportunities, and the main thing was um, you're used to shooting white-tailed deer, and elk's about, what, two or three times as big? And I kept shooting short. Man, I'd shoot between their legs, and they'd run out another 10 yards and stop, and I'd shoot between their legs again. <laughs> I, I mean, I just I made every mistake that you could probably make, and pretty soon things started falling together a little bit. But I didn't kill one the first year, and the second year I think I killed one, but it was probably about the 20th day of my hunt. It was long toward the end of the rut, and I finally – I finally got it done, and I was a pretty happy camper, I can tell you that. I was I was on top of the world there for a few <laughs> days, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I thought, man, I finally did it, you know. But I could, we could sit here for a long time. I could tell you about all the times that I didn't. Do you think it. that breaking the ice once, like, you did it, did that really, like, flick a switch for you? Did things really change after that? It did. Things got better. And 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 besides, you know, you, you, we kept getting more information, and, and then they came out with diaphragm calls, and uh, the, the things we used were like little old pieces of tin, and uh, I mean they didn't even sound like an elk, you know. But believe it or not, we 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 did kill some elk. But I think we're going to start bringing those back. We're going to bring back the gas flex bugle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you market it well. We'll sell it. It'll be all right. You can sell them for, in <laughs> the <laughs> antique market. Yeah, so maybe it's traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was real traditional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever hunted in Oregon? You know, I have not. Have you been to Oregon? Just to the uh, PBS banquet in Portland. Boom! I, I had dinner with you. I sat right next to you. Did you really? Me and I, uh, I me knew and I had seen I your kept, face. I kept saying, "I know this guy." And yeah. I couldn't. I put it together a few minutes ago. I was looking at you. Me and uh, Edward Boyd. Yeah. We sat and talked for the hours. The guy from California. Yeah, California, and I'm from Oregon. And we sat there. Remember, we kind of got pushed around table to table, and soon we landed at the at, at your table. Yeah. Uh, and we sat and now talked, I and remember. you had, a, you had a, um, a picture album there, and I was looking through it. You shoot uh, Grizzly Broadheads, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I you, do. You, 
I was looking at critter after critter after critter that you shoved a grizzly broadhead through. And I was like, I was shopping for broadheads at the time. And I was like, well, I'm going to try some of these grizzly broadheads because this guy, this guy showed, showed me that they work well. I, they that do. Was, they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I just met you, what, a half an hour ago. And for the last half an hour, I'm like, where have I met this guy before? Well, I'm not real good with names, but I never forget faces. And I knew I'd seen you, but I just figured I'd seen that you That was here. eight. eight Nine years ago? Yeah, it's yeah. been a little while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the first time I was ever west of the of the Mississippi River without an elk license in my tag. <laughs> yeah. In my yeah. pocket, I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's awesome. I, I totally remember you. We spent yeah. hours with you looking through your picture album and hearing your stories. And Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I've, I've been real fortunate, and I've been lucky, and I've made a lot of my own luck, too, because I... I don't do anything halfway. If I'm going to do into something, I go 100%, 110% probably. And uh, pretty soon good things will happen if you uh, if you keep at it. I know we were talking, and James and I have talked about this a lot because we both had our struggles elk hunting. And, and you were saying the biggest, maybe the one of the biggest things with traditional is knowing when to draw. That's probably the most important thing in elk hunting. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, most people are are talking calling all the time, you know. And if you're if you're shooting a compound, it's okay. I mean, you can come to full draw and you can hold that thing for 30, 40 seconds, a minute. Some guys, two minutes. You can't do that with traditional. You have to know... You have to know when to draw that bow. You can draw it too early. You can draw it too late, and it, that's that's a learning curve there. Yeah, you got to know when to do it because you're going to screw things up if you don't. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you can't hold that thing back. That's about ten seconds, and you're yeah, you're <laughs> shaking like that's been yeah. my yeah. biggest downfall. Like I, I've learned to find the elk. I've learned to play the wind, get in on them, get into stick bow range, and then it's like. <laughs> getting busted drawing back or yeah, the just wind not being patient right. for them to walk by or it's it just it's really difficult so what do you, what do you think um maybe i know it's hard to explain like when the right time to draw is it's hard because you know it depends on where they're coming from what's in front of them what's behind them what's behind you where they're going to go past i mean we could go on forever but i mean do you think it's patience do you do you as a general rule never draw if they know you're there if they're looking your direction or do you, is it a general rule to try to let them go by you? Or do you hurry up and bark draw fast? Yeah. Well, I never draw fast because they'll spot you in a heartbeat. I, um, I, don't, I really don't know how to explain it. It's just, I, I watch a lot of videos and stuff, and I watch other people, and I see where they make their mistakes, and I try to, to learn from each person that I watch on when to, when to draw that bow. And the frontal shot, as far as I'm concerned, is a really, really poor shot. I tried it once, and it didn't have really good results, and uh, I've never tried it again. I mean, I know a lot of guys that will take that shot, mm -hmm. and that's why I don't bugle. I bugle to locate them, and then I, I try to stalk them yeah. and try to get close and, and, and wait for the perfect shot, you know. Yeah. And if it's not perfect, I'm not shooting. And that's... And the animal has to be perfectly broadside, yeah. Well, or quartering slightly away, 
and he has to be completely relaxed because if they know you're there, I've had elk jump the string on me. People yeah. say, oh, elk oh, yeah. can't jump the string, but they can. I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. And I've had friends that's, that's had it happen. So, like I say, it's critical to draw the bow at the right time. And if you can, let them, let them go past you just a little bit because a quartering shot's just as good as a broadside shot. And um, it's just uh, it's a learning curve. And uh, Yeah, that calling, like I agree there that, you know, the problem with calling is with the stick bow is they know you're there. They, you know, they're they're coming, they know exactly. They're coming in and looking for you. And it's like you, a turkey. Yeah. It's yeah. the same way with a turkey. You can call, and he'll walk right up to within – 10 steps of where you were at yeah and the elk's the same way yeah yeah even yeah they can come from 200 yards and the thickest stuff in the world and 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 i i don't want them looking for me no you want right that's where you switch it around if you get them to bugle and you can slip in on them you're looking for them they don't know you're there you know and then that's i mean and 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 coming to full draws is definitely it's the hardest thing yeah you know because you you know you can't make any quick movements because they're going to spot you and uh I think they got eyes in the back of their head. I, I don't mean. know how many bulls I've I've called in. I've been so used to, you know, because I hunted with the combound for a number of years, and I was killing elk, and I got it all figured out. And then I'd call in, I, you know, like James says, I'd have a season where I'd call in three or four bulls, and just it was a mess. Like I'd either draw back, and then they wouldn't wouldn't step out from the tree, and then I then I then I got to let down, and then they take off, or then I'd wait and draw when they came right in, and blah 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 blah. Right. Like you well, said, the last couple of years have been just like you know what i'm gonna try to slip in around yeah with the compound you can you can kind of know they're there they're coming and you can just draw back and wait and wait and wait it out until everything's right and then just barely touch that trigger and it's done but with the stick bow i mean i've gotten on some bulls i was uh i was stalking this grass road still hunting i heard something up above me and there was a game trail coming down to the skid road and i got myself in the ditch real quick and sure enough, here comes a, a a cow, and she comes down the road, and she turns, and she goes, and another one, another one. I'm waiting for the bull. Three points are better in the unit I'm hunting. And the bull comes, and he does something totally different. He he comes to the to the head of the trail, and then he just runs down it and turns. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he didn't fall the street. Game over. <laughs> well, he just to catch yeah. up with those cows. And then another one came, and I thought, okay, well, this is a younger bull. He's surely going to walk down the trail. Hit the grass like the the cows did, take a bite, look around, and then wander up the road like the rest of them did. So instead of running down the trail, he walks down the trail, and then when he goes to hit the grass, he turns and runs, just to catch up with the the herd. And I thought, well, this was the perfect situation, and it went and it went sour quick. And it's all about you know trying to when do you draw? If I was already at full draw, each bull could have caught an arrow, but I still had to draw the bow back. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. <clears throat> but you know, another thing is is the wind. I mean, it's well, it's um uh, it's probably saved more elk than, than Yeah, anything. it's everything. Yeah. 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 And uh I learned like hunting whitetails in Ohio, the wind's pretty well coming from one direction. Mm-hmm. It meets it might switch a little bit, but it's not very much of an angle. In Colorado, that wind can blow four ways at the same time. I oh mean, boy. it's just unbelievable. And you got these hydraulics, and the elk usually hang out in places like that, and the wind will come down, and, and it'll actually hydraulic, and it'll come back. And it's pretty tough to hunt an animal that's got a nose like an elk and get yeah. within bow range when the wind is wrong. 
and they can uh, they can probably pick up your scent a quarter mile away if the wind's blowing the wrong way for you. Always got to check the wind. Yeah, and if the wind's in your favor, uh, at least on the Oregon coast, uh, you just wait a few minutes, it won't be. <laughs> yeah, you, you got no chance at all if they smell you. Yeah. 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 Well, I won't say that. <laughs> Slim and none, let's put it like right. that. Yeah. Every once in a while, you might get one that's kind of retarded. <laughs> <laughs> those are the those, ones I'm always looking for. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> ran into very many of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still looking for one. <laughs> yeah. The dumber, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Well, maybe you could, you were tell, you already told me this story. I know I've been talking to you forever, but maybe you could tell us a story about uh, your closest bull there. The oh, the one I shot at seven yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, uh, was long towards the end of the rut and uh, I stuck with this herd of elk all, all day long from just after daylight. And, uh, they were crazy. They were into the rut like you wouldn't believe. And I, I was actually so close to the herd, I don't know how they kept from smelling me or knowing I was there. But they were in such a frenzy that they never really paid much attention. And I was so close several times that I couldn't even draw my bow because I knew they were going to see me. And this went on all day long, and I just kept dogging them like a coyote. You know, I just kept dogging the herd and dogging them. And, and I finally ran into a place where there was a little two-track going down through there, and I, I could go real fast. I wouldn't have to worry about making any noise. And I got between the bull and his cows. The cows were downhill from me, and the bull, come to find out there was actually two bulls, they were uphill from me. And I got to where I could hear the cows mewing below me, and I thought, well, this is a good place to bugle from, and I got behind this little Christmas tree and I blew my bugle. And man, I heard something sound like a freight train coming down through that second growth and busting branches and stuff. And I mean, he was coming right at me. He thought another bull was in there getting getting up to his cows. And uh, so I'm behind this little Christmas tree and, and he's coming right straight at me. And I thought, boy, I'm not gonna, even going to get a shot. So I turned the bugle sideways and I bugled off to my right and that turned him. And when, as soon as he went behind the pine tree, I knew he couldn't see me draw. I drew it, came to full draw, and, and I can always remember that little green knock sticking out right behind his shoulder. And he went down the hill about 40 yards and piled up. And uh, But it was it was seven yards, and I really didn't want to be that close. But and it, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. And then about 15 minutes later, another bull came down the hill. The other one came down to see what all the commotion was and he walked right past me at probably under 10 yards but it was uh it was quite a day it was yeah. a, one of my best days ever as far as dog and elk yeah it's uh it could be so difficult for so many days you know and then all of a sudden it just all works out magic <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was quite a day and the good part was i could drive my blazer right up to the elk on that little two track <laughs> perfect yeah yeah doesn't get much better than that. yeah i didn't I have know. to call the horses in yeah. <laughs> yeah and that was in colorado yeah that was um it was on a, a private ranch um i'm trying to think of the name of that little town um it was up above gypsum in the colorado runs down through there burns burns colorado was okay. was where it was at most people never even heard of it but uh, it was a good, real good spot to hunt. Lots of elk and 
some nice mule deer. So do you go out west every year? Or? Every year because there's only so many elk seasons in a lifetime. That's right. <laughs> that's what I tell my wife. That's, that's what I tell all my friends. And they say, oh, we wish we could do the what you do. And I said, well, you really could. I, You know, if you quit drinking, you quit smoking, you take your lunch every day instead of going out for it. Stay out of the bars, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Save your money. Oh, I can't afford a six hundred dollar elk license. Well, you ought to go now because next year it might be six fifty. You know, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> you know it's not going to ever come down. Yeah. So you might as well go now. Don't make excuses. Yeah, and like you say, I mean, we only have so many September's. Period. Absolutely, and yeah. and it goes really quick. Yeah. Unfortunately. So do you, <laughs> do you, uh, uh, how much now do you lot yourself, uh, 10 days, two I weeks? I wish I could hunt 10. I usually end up hunting six or seven days because it's seven. a two-day drive out and two-day drive back. Okay. Do you like the the um, pre-rut or um, somewhere in the middle? or? I'd like rut? to be out there around the 10th. The 10th, yep. yeah. That's my birthday. That's a good day. Yeah. 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 I've killed a lot of elk right in that week. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like that's when they... They first start, you, yep. if right, you catch that right. first kickoff. Yes. Right, right, that's exactly. That's the best time because yep. then. A lot of guys like to go later, but I like to go right about them because they really don't have cows yet, and they're looking. Yeah. yeah. They're moving around a lot. Yep. Yeah. I like that yeah. 7th through the 17th, or if I had to pick 10 days or whatever, like I really right. like Right. A lot of guys like to go early because the season a lot of times starts in August. And uh, the best thing to do if you're going to do that is just hunt water holes. Yeah. Because they're really not into the rut. They might bugle a little bit, but as far as actually coming into you, it's not going to happen very often, yeah. you know. Yeah. But the water holes is the thing. And, they, you know, the elk's a big animal, and they got to drink a couple times a day. And, hey, if you sit them water holes, you're probably going to get a shot, you know. Yeah. Right. It's deadly. Yeah. I've never killed one on a water hole myself. I've missed a couple on water holes yeah. <laughs> so far. But yeah, it, it I'm can a, work. I'm more of a run and gun guy, you know. Yeah. Like I like to call and move and stalk and. So it sounds like, uh, are you doing a lot of cow and calf talk? Or? I do. Yeah, I bugle to locate them, and then a lot of times I'll cow call, just to kind of try to relax them maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't really want them looking for me. Yeah, and I think just putting a little bit of that sound out. Then when you come in looking for them and you break a branch or something, they're like, oh, there's some other elk in the area, and they may dismiss it. I try to get ahead of them in the morning, too. I know which way they're heading to, to bed down, Yeah. usually after they water. Because usually you can't get to the water hole because they're already there. Yeah. And it's pitch dark, and mm -hmm. you can't see. and So I tr usually try to, you know, know which way they're, they're going to head for the, their beds. And then I just try to ambush them along the, along the trails and stuff. And I try to get in the thick stuff where it makes them hard to spot me, too. Yeah. So maybe for, like, the whitetail guys, you know, like yourself and being from the Midwest and, and making those trips out there. I mean, obviously, like you uh, alluded to, that, you know, it takes money. That's, that's an obvious. <laughs> yeah. But what, what other kind of advice do you have for the guys that, that want to go west and um, you know, want to pursue uh, hunting elk. Don't let anything stand in your way. Just do it. <laughs> Just be persistent. Work like a dog <laughs> to support your habit. Right. Yeah. And go out there and have a ball. If uh, 
if elk hunting don't make your old heartbeat, then you better go see the doctor because there's something bad wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, it's so exciting. I mean, I, I've shot a lot of elk in my time, but every time I kill one, it's just like the first time all over again. You, you just like you never get tired of it. Do uh, do all all species do that for you, or is elk uh, hold? Well, special elk's place? my favorite because none of the other ones bugle, you know. Yeah, and that that <laughs> if that that'll get your little heart rate up. I don't care how far you're out of shape. If that elk's bugling up on the mountain, you'll find a way to get there. Boy, howdy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, that adrenaline it, it does marvelous things. Oh man! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've right. been so tired, you know, sometimes I can't hardly put one foot in front of the other and that elk starts bugling and somehow I find the energy and I'm thinking, God, how'd I get up here, you know, that right. quick, you know. Find yourself in a canyon yeah. three miles from your truck and, and, and <laughs> right. you're walking you're out at midnight. calling the horse packer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for horses, right? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's great. So maybe um, maybe go over your setup, what? What bow you're shooting now? The oh, right arrows. now I'm shooting the Big Jim longbow. It's a, a Thunderchild. It's a 50 pounds at 28 inches, and um, I shoot a 740 grain arrow with a um, single blade um, Grizzly broadhead. Yeah. And uh, which what shafts are you shooting? I use the um, Sherwood. Uh, Douglas fir. Welcome to our camp. <laughs> yeah, I, I love them. Yeah, yeah, they're durable. They don't have to straighten them, and uh, they're everything that I need. I like to be traditional. I'm, I've always been a traditional guy. Yeah. Even when I shot a compound, I I'm never the only guy that ever shot a compound with with fingers. Well, not the only guy, but yeah. the only guy I know that that actually shot one. Everybody else had a release, and I shot fingers. And I never put anything on the bow. Unless it was absolutely necessary, I mean, yeah. I had a bow quiver, and and, and a rest, and that was that was it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it was an easy transition going back to the stick bow then. Well, it's never easy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It was almost like starting over again. Yeah. And when, when you say that was in the in the nineties? Yeah, like the mid nineties, and we had a we started a traditional club in Ohio, and I was one of the first members that to join that and i've been a member ever since and why why'd you uh why'd you decide to switch back well like i say i in, in my mind i was always a traditional hunter and traditional kept getting more popular and and i kind of missed it you know yeah and it got to be it got to be too easy with a compound yeah even elk hunting got to be too easy and uh, I just, and some of my buddies switched, and I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to give this a try again. And, man, I mean, I practiced long hours. <laughs> I really got into it. Actually, I even Robin Hooded a couple of arrows, believe it or not. <laughs> That's not too many traditional guys. Robin Hood, I mean, I'm talking aluminum arrows, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. But I used to shoot down my basement in the wintertime. And I don't think I've Robin Hooded one since then, but it's. But I did this one year. I Robin Hooded two arrows, and I was pretty proud of that, that. That seems to be in the Midwest. Everyone I hear in the winter, they're out, they're in their basement shooting. Some guys are like, "I got five yards," or "I got twelve yards." I think it's because it's cold. Believe it or not, I had a, a. I built my own house. And I had a big log home I built, and 
I could actually shoot 27 yards down my basement. Now, that's a basement. Nice. Yeah, that's a real basement. I even had basement underneath my garage. And nice. But I, I didn't usually shoot. I usually shot more or less at round 20. Yep. Because when I'm hunting whitetail, that was pretty much my self-imposed limit was 20 yards. Yeah. And elk, I tried to stick to 30 and under. Yeah. A little bigger target. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a 30-yard shooter on elk. I, I could probably kill one a little more than that, but I try to – I'm the kind of guy, if I get 20, I think maybe I can get 15, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. And, and sometimes you get greedy, it, it, it comes back Costume. to bite you. And sometimes, man, I mean, you get a perfect, perfect shot, you know. I've had a lot of elk under, under 20 yards that I never even got a shot at. People say, how can you be 20 yards and not get a shot? Well, you got to be there to understand it. Yeah. Have you hunted some of these um, elk in the fringe between, um, like, uh, sagebrush desert stuff into timber? I've hunted them just about every place. Okay. Yeah. So what's what's your preferred habitat? I like the dark timber. Dark timber. Yeah, and I like the quakies. Mm-hmm. I like to be up high altitude. You know, I love the weather. I love the just everything about it. Colorado, Montana. I mean, it, it don't get much, don't get much better. You know. Are, are you scouting? Um, are you returning to the places uh, year in and year out that you've hunted and getting to know them a little better? I or? I do, yeah. But I also enjoy going new places and uh, learning. You know, yep. it, it takes well, four or five days just to kind of get familiar with a place and. Uh, and find some good spots. You can find some by looking at the map, but you actually need to actually put boots on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me like after three, four days, I start to get on elk's time, which they don't have time, right, and starting to slow down mm-hmm. and, and not get in a hurry and, and really become one with uh, with your environment. I think that a lot of guys back home that hump the weekends, they never really get to that point if you're not putting in, you know, the, the more days because like you say three four days is what it takes to almost start to get a feel for what's happening yeah and i hunt daylight till dark absolutely none of this going back to camp for lunch and drinking coffee and all that oh you mean you're not you're not spending all this money and driving all the way over there to, to take naps and go camping <laughs> i'm there to hunt elk buddy yeah <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll get after them in the morning early 10 o'clock or so then i get into blowdowns and people say oh you can't do that you know you're going to spook them all out of the country but it's just like stalking whitetails. If you can stalk whitetails, you can stalk elk. You just have to be quiet, get the wind right, get on the get on the north slopes and the thick stuff where they're going to bed down. And I've actually, I've almost stepped on elk a couple times. And uh, one time I had one that was on the other side of a fallen big blow-down tree, and uh, I couldn't figure out what the noise was. And the elk was laying there rubbing his horns on a branch, and I'm like 10 feet from him. You know, I thought, man, it don't get any better in this. Of course, I <laughs> the wind changed, and <laughs> I never even got a shot. He was gone so quick. You know, another thing that amazes me is when you jump an elk like that, they take two or three big bounds, and they make a lot of noise, and then all of a sudden it's deathly quiet, and you think that elk's got to be standing there, but he never is. They sneak away, and you never, ever hear them. And that's amazing. Yeah. And it's sometimes in the blowdown areas, it's so quiet that you can hear a fly at 40 and 50 yards. And you can hear the, fort, the, you can hear the big uh, 
trucks, the semis on, on Highway 70, that's like 10 miles away. Yeah. You can hear the motors going up a steep grade, you know. Yeah. That's how quiet it is. I know. That's a, I work with guys that don't hunt, you know, and they always make fun of whenever I watch something on the TV or whatever, a hunt show, and they'll be like, oh, always whispering, always with. They just joke around and they laugh. And they, you guys and your hunters always, they don't understand. They've never been in the woods enough, that, and and they don't understand that quietness. But you don't understand. You can hear somebody talking. Across the canyon. Oh, yeah. Three quarters of a mile away. Yeah, a mile absolutely. away. You can hear somebody. They're like, no way. I'm like, yes. I've, I've, uh, I mean, they, they can hear any little thing. Like you said, when you get in those little areas like that, any little click. I mean, it's hearing a fly at 40 yeah, yards. Anything yeah. unnatural. Yeah. yeah, last year I was, uh, I was sitting <clears throat> on a pond and, uh, during the afternoon and there were some guys working on the road clear across the canyon it had to be it had to be probably more than a mile and i could hear the conversation i mean i could hear what these guys were saying yeah and i'm thinking my god you know <laughs> the way travel travels out there in, in the west like that yeah yeah it, it seems like you know speaking to these guys in the midwest again you know that the new elk hunter or, or um possibly the new elk hunter that wants to go out it seems on the internet a lot of guys have this uh, notion that they need to um, go into a big wilderness and they need to backpack in ten miles. And uh, me and Bob know that you know that there's plenty of good hunting opportunity where you can hunt right out of your pickup truck. I mean, uh, you know, hike in and out from your camp and whatnot. Is that uh, are you going into wilderness hunts? Are you? I I do not. I hunt BLM. Everybody can hunt there. A lot of guys do hunt there. If you're up on the road, you probably see a lot of hunters going up and down the four-wheelers and stuff, you know. But if you actually get in the woods, and uh, you might hunt a week and never see another person. That's even, been my experience. Even too. on BLM. Yeah. So it's not as bad as you would think it would be. Just because yeah. you see a whole bunch of people running up and down the roads. Them elk don't come up on the highway and let you shoot them. Yeah. You got to go down <laughs> and you got to shoot them in their living room, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, for the, for the listeners, you know, it's totally obtainable. I mean, you can go out there um, with your whitetail tackle and uh, a, a pair of boots and a pack and, and set up a camp. You don't have to pack in. Yeah, you don't have to pack in. Yeah. You, can, you can go in there and hunt elk and come back to camp every night. Uh, Where I'm at, there's a lot of public land. And then there's down lower. There's a lot of private land down there, and and the elk they just run back and forth. They'll go down on the private land, and then a couple of days later they'll be back up uh, on the public land. Right. And you know I try to call them off the off the private lands, and uh, they'll answer me. And pretty soon, a day or two, they'll they'll be back up there. Yeah, I I know on the coast that they, they can't read the no trespassing signs and private right. land signs. <laughs> and I think the private they're land they're smart, but they're not quite that smart. Right. I think the private land uh, at least uh, in my country holds a lot of good feed, but the public that butts up to it generally holds the the bedding. Um and so it seems like when you can get closer to those uh those ranches and hunt that BLM, you know, in the in the in the dark timber, it's usually you know you're kind of in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's where they're heading anyway. You're right. <laughs> uh, do you put uh, much uh, merit in locating um, rubs, wallows? Uh, well, that lets you know that they're in the area. Right. You know, 
I, I would never hunt over a rub, but I will hunt over a walla. But I, like I say I've never actually killed one, but I, I, I've seen a lot of wallas that get a lot of use. But I'm the kind of guy that I'll sit there for an hour. If nothing comes in, then I gotta, I gotta move. Right. I, I'm want, I get itchy. You know, I wanna, <laughs> I, I wanna run and gun. You're gut. not gonna sit at that wallow for five days and wait for one to come by. Yeah, I wanna run and gun. Yeah. But I mean, I, you, you definitely get a, a lot better shot if, yeah. if you're in a tree stand over a wall or a, you know, ground blind or something. You know, I have, I did shoot one over a, in a ground blind, but. Um, Never out of a tree stand. I have hunted out of a tree stand, but I just like I say I'm a couple hours. I I'm 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 ready to go. I want <laughs> I want to move. I get I get antsy, you know. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think it's good to have that diverse approach where you're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, I know if I if I just took the time, I know I could. I mean, I you get a lot better shot, especially yeah. the elk's relaxed and you know you wait for him to turn right and you can probably come to full draw without him seeing if you're in a tree stand. But I just, uh, that's not my style so much, you know. Yeah. If I'm tired, I might get in a tree stand, you know, for an hour or two and then get my energy back. And Yeah. I've been using it lately that early season when it's real hot. And you're just like, instead of getting burnt out, chasing them, trying to, trying to find that bull, then just trying to do a little more sitting on the water in the evenings. Well, you just have to study the elk and learn their habits and try to outsmart them. Heck yeah! It sounds easy, but <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a learning curve. It's yeah. like like you called it magic. It, it's magical when it all does come together. Yeah, especially that first one. Man, that that is really sweet. That first elk. Yeah. I don't care if it's a calf or a cow or whatever it is. That first one is. You think, oh my God, I finally did it. You know. Yeah. So how was that uh, going into your season after y- your first uh, success, um, you know, that, that winter before and all that thought process? Uh, I mean, did I know for me it, it was just like a light switch. I mean, you, you, oh, really, yeah. Yeah. you really you feel like it, this is possible. Right. Well, once you do it, you know you can do it again. Right. And, and you've already learned what you need to learn to be able to do it again. Right. Yeah, and I think that's what we we talk to these guys like yourself that have hunted and killed everything under the sun, and 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 you hear people say you, you learn, you know, you you learn from failure, which you do, but you also learn a lot from success, right? I mean, so you you're successful, you learned what you did to make it successful. And it seems to me like just my opinion is guys like you that that keep doing it those guys you know that learning just keeps building and building and building and building you know they're not they're not learning for their failures you know you know what i'm trying to say like that success build they're learning how to do it and get it done so i think you got to be cognizant and and pay attention yeah you have to your mistakes right right. oh yeah for sure right yeah don't make the same mistake twice right well i've made the the same mistake like nine times in a day but <laughs> i always said there's 10 things can happen and nine of them are bad yeah <laughs> and believe me elk yeah. hunting is if yeah. that's where it's at yeah i have i've had i've had opportunities when i thought there's no way in hell that i can screw this up and i'll find a way <laughs> believe me i don't think you ever get good 
you just get better. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> when you think you're getting you're getting good, well, you you're you're uh, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Right. Because right. every every elk is different. They all got different habits, different patterns. Some of them will put up with certain things, and other ones won't. And it's uh, it's a learning curve, and uh, you don't never get cocky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, oh yeah. If I'm you do, the, the elk will make a fool out of you, yep. <laughs> and you'll say, "Well, maybe I didn't know as much as I thought I did." Are you are you are you hunting alone primarily? Yeah, yeah. I don't hunt with other people very seldom. I have in the past, but not very long. We might hook up for a half a day or something, you know, and then the other guy he goes his way and I go my way. I'm not into gang hunting. Gang hunting. <laughs> no gang-related <laughs> activities. Um, so well, if you're hunting with a compound, yeah, I see these guys on TV, and, hey, they, they do a great job, you know, especially Primus. I like to watch their videos. And, and I learn from their mistakes, and and when they actually kill something, I, I try to learn. But it's a completely different ball game when you got traditional stuff. Yeah, and I think also, like, once again, speaking to the new elk hunter, um, when you watch these videos, they're they're edited. So, you know, they want to get six hunts or seven hunts into this hour-long DVD. And so it almost seems like they blow the bugle, the bull comes in, and they shoot them. And as we know, I mean, sometimes even a calling them in can take throughout the day. I mean, it could take hours and um, all that's edited out. You know, and I think the new guy needs to realize that he's got to be patient and it's not going to be very seldomly is it just uh, – blow on a call and, and they come running in to die you know uh, this hunt kind of comes to mind but <coughs> i was in colorado one time and it's been six or seven years ago and uh <coughs> i walked out the ridge a little bit of this finger ridge and i dropped over on the north side because i knew there would be some elk in there probably and they they came up from the bottom from drinking and uh I probably went down about 50 yards or so from the top and it kind of leveled off into a little bench like and I thought this would be a good spot to just kind of hang out and see what happens and I down there for like 15 minutes or so and I I kept hearing just the slightest little noise and it was stone quiet I mean you could hear a pin drop at 20 yards and I knew there was something down there to my to my right and um so I just thought, well, I'm just going to stay where I'm at and let's just kind of see what happens because I knew I couldn't stalk that animal if it was an animal because it was so qu- deathly quiet that morning. I mean, you could you just couldn't imagine how quiet it was. And I kept hearing this, and, and finally it, it kept coming closer and closer. And about 30 yards, I said, I think that's an elk. And sure enough, here come this bull, and he's he's gonna he's on a collision course with me, and he gets about twenty yards and he stops and he starts eating this bush. I don't even know what it was. Some some you know I'm not real good on plants and stuff, but I cannot shoot him because I can't get an arrow through. He's on the other side, so I thought, well, just be patient and wait. So he takes three or four more steps and he stops again. Same thing. I cannot get an arrow through. A couple times I even half drew. And I saw a little hole, but I thought I'll hit him too high. I'll hit him too far back. Just wait. So this elk is like seven, eight, nine yards from me. And I'm thinking, 
I think I'm going to kill this animal. And <laughs> I didn't want to get too confident because I knew <laughs> there's a lot of things can happen bad, you know. And he moved one more time, and I still could not get an arrow through there. And I thought, man, oh, man, he's going to be on top of me. i got to, got to do something. And he took one more step, and he smelled where I had walked down the hill like 45 minutes earlier. And, buddy, I mean, you talk about vacating the area. He he was out of there so quick. I I followed him with my bow, but I I, I never let the arrow go. I, he was just moving too fast, and I thought this is a stupid shot. You know, I'm not I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to feed the coyotes. You know, they're going to yeah. have to get their own food. You know, <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking, you know, how can you be seven, eight, nine yards from an elk and not kill it? You know, but hey, that's hey, all. I'm good at that one. That's elk hunting. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this oh, that's yeah. that's hunting elk if you've hunted very long you've probably got a lot of stories like i've got probably maybe even some better ones than i've got you know? <laughs> oh no i don't know about that but I, I do know we were we were talking i don't know who we were talking to the other day and it's that's what's just so awesome about elk hunting is you get these uh these encounters and even if they're not successful um you cherish them you take them with you they they become uh they mean something and and i think you learn from uh just you know reflecting on those because you do get when you're really there at the right time and things are happening you can get into the mix with them a whole bunch yeah that's for sure yeah and and it doesn't all i mean i think it's probably you don't ever want to count your chickens no (laughs) don't start thinking about the taxidermist uh, if the the bull's coming in (laughs) yeah yeah that's for sure yeah uh, yeah, I always said, like, say, ten things can happen, and nine of them are bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what's your favorite of all time elk hunt? Like, uh, where was it at? When was it? Uh, you know, Boy, maybe. that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm, I, I hunt bulls, but I have shot a few cows, and I've been real happy with them. I mean, they're just as smart as a bull, and, Lots of times they're even smarter, you know, mm-hmm. especially during the rut. So I'm I'm pretty pleased whenever I put elk elk meat on the ground, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make a perfect shot so there's a short blood trail and um that's my uh, that's my philosophy. I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Like get close, close get close. The get closer close. the better. Like say I'm a thirty yard guy. And if I get 30, I think, man, maybe I can get 25. And I get 25, I think, maybe I can get 20. You know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, and if I spook him, hey, there's always tomorrow. He's still there. I'm still there. And that's my philosophy. I don't have to kill anything. But if I do, that's icing on the cake, you know? Heck, yeah. Yeah, I think that was really well put. I, I, I concur for sure. Yeah. Uh, I could tell you a lot of elk stories if we had the time. I mean, <laughs> we could probably sit here all night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And I could bore you with all my, yeah. <laughs> my old well, stories. Give, give us one more. Give us give us a good uh, something that pops to the head. Uh, well, like I told you before about when I was uh, the where the arrow fell off the rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I'll, I'll never let's forget hear that. that. Yeah. Let's hear that one. So I it was early in the it was early in the afternoon, and I knew it was much. It was a nice hot warm afternoon. I knew it was much too early to actually get serious. So I thought, well, I'm going to build a little blind on this water hole and see what happens. 
And uh, I piled up a whole bunch of dead aspen limbs and made myself a nice little blind. And I had my bow setting up with an arrow on the string facing the water hole. And I looked at my watch, and it's still real, real early. So I thought, well, I got a Rocky Mountain Elk newsletter in my in my pack, and I'm going to pull it out and read for a half hour or so. And I got that thing out, and I started reading, and uh, I heard something by, behind me. And nothing ever comes from behind me. Well, this day it did. And I turned around. My, I just turned my head, and I saw out of the corner of my eye, here's a cow elk. She's like 20 yards behind me, and there's a bull right behind her. And course i'm looking the wrong way i'm facing the wrong way i'm sitting down my arrows pointing the wrong my bow's pointing the wrong way with my arrow on the rest so i got to turn all the way around without being seen (laughs) without my arrow falling off i got turned around and the elk were clear across the hollow and they were going up the other side they were like 35 yards away and moving away from me so i knew i had to do something quick so i got my call out and i I put it, I turned it the other way, and I called, and uh, they stopped, and they looked, and uh, they didn't see anything, so they, after about five or six seconds, they started up the, the, the hill again, and so I called again, and they stopped again, and the cow got real curious, so she turns around, and she comes back on the same trail, of course, the bull, he's he's coming right behind her. He's not going to let her go. And so they, they're they going to come behind me. Now, this time I'm turned around. I got my arrow on the string, and I am supremely confident. I know I'm going to kill this elk. And I got like a six-foot hole to shoot through. Nothing, no branches or anything. I got this perfect thing. They come in the hole. I start to come to full draw, and I pull the arrow off the rest. I said, oh, my God, what, what have I done? And, I mean, I went from supremely confident to a basket case. I mean, I knew I had to shoot, and I had to shoot fast. I had to get that arrow back without them seeing me or hearing me. And, I mean, I was a nervous wreck then. And I I had a split second to come to full draw and aim, and I made a good shot right behind the shoulder. And if that – if I'd have waited another split second, I wouldn't even have had a shot. And the elk went like 80 yards and piled up. But that was uh, that was just recently. Actually, that was just like three years ago in Colorado. But uh, I'll never forget that. When that arrow fell off the rest of them, my God, I thought, what else can happen? I mean, I was ready to have a heart attack, you know. Right, because <laughs> we hunt right hard to get usually that one opportunity. And I think once it's starting to happen – uh, that that's often where I start to. You to never want to get one over of those nine things, one of those ten things, the nine of the <laughs> yeah. ten things. You never want to get overconfident, no, because yeah. <laughs> like I say, there's always things that can go wrong. Heck yeah! <laughs> but that that was real fresh in my mind because it was just so recently. But I can remember other times. One other morning, I had three shots. I got in the middle of this uh, herd of elk. They were going up the mountain to bed down, and I came in sideways because I knew if I came. <clears throat> from the top they were going to get my wind so i i came side hill and they were in some real thick pines and um you know how those little branches the little dead branches are sticking off the yeah. pines yeah. well usually 
like you're looking right through those. You you don't even see them. All you yeah. see is the elk. And I had three shots and hit three branches. I thought, my God, what else can happen? You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, and I never killed an elk, and I'm right in the middle of the herd, and I thought for sure I was going to fill out, but yeah. I just it wasn't to be that morning. <laughs> for sure, that's awesome. So what's uh, what's the plan for this year? Are you uh, getting out west? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, counting the days down. Yeah, I've been working out. I I do a lot of working out. I shoot my bow two or three times a week, and I got an elk target in the backyard, and I shoot up to about thirty yards, sometimes thirty-five, maybe you know. And then I work out at the park. Um, there's a park in Columbus that um, it's got some pretty good hills on it, and I w- I wear my backpack, and I start off with about twenty pounds in it, and then I get up to about fifty when the elk season rolls around and that uh it helps me a little bit and it helps me lose the weight mm-hmm. you you uh um you know watch what you're eating and, oh yeah. yeah 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 i'm i've been on a diet i've lost about 12 pounds i i got kind of fat over the winter <laughs> keep you warm well you know when you when it's too cold we had a terrible winter and it, it was it was too cold to hardly do anything outside so yeah I just kind of sit around, watch videos, and <laughs> ate and got fat. <laughs> Dreamt about elk hunting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> watched elk videos. Uh, I, I watched the, I watched the YouTube. And my secretary gets it on the c- computer for me, and I, I watch those. <laughs> I'm I'm not a computer guy. I'm kind of an old fashioned guy. Yeah, you know? he's like, show me. I'm a secretary. Get it yeah. on there. I watch the YouTube. Uh, classic. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Uh, you'd alluded to uh, you've hunted probably every big game animal uh, in the lower 48. Um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about I that. haven't hunted muskox. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else I haven't hunted. Desert sheep. I haven't hunted those. <laughs> I have to sell the farm to, to be able to hunt <laughs> desert sheep. But uh, I got three legs of the Grand Slam on three hunts. I knew I couldn't afford to go back again, so I had to. I had to be successful, uh, and I made some really great shots. I shot uh, my bighorn on on a flat out run. I mean, he was a haul in the mail. It was like a twenty five yard shot, and he's probably running like thirty five mile an hour. And uh, I tell everybody it was a twelve thousand dollar shot because I <laughs> I knew if I missed, I couldn't afford to go back again. So. But I ended up made a perfect shot. I don't know how I did it. Probably, probably shoot the same shot twenty times to get the same results that that I got. And then my another one of my sheep, um, the doll, I shot it straight up in the air. I, I mean, like straight vertical. He was on a cliff up there, oh. and my guide was trying to find a way to get up there because we knew the sheep were up on top of this cliff. But we couldn't get up there from where we were at. And they kept coming out, and they would look out over the valley. And they never looked down, but they always looked out. And I thought, what the hell are they looking at? And uh, so they would stand there for like three or four minutes and just gaze. And then they would turn around and walk away. And then pretty soon another one would walk out, and he would look around, you know. And I thought, you know, all I can do is, is kill a sheep or lose an arrow. And... So, I mean, I'm shooting straight up, you know, like you'd shoot an animal out of a tree or something. And wow. 
I put it up there and it just felt right and I let it go and I don't know the good Lord must have been looking out for me because I mean I made a perfect shot right behind the shoulder arrow went on through I never found the arrow I don't know where it even went to but it I mean it went through like a hot knife through blood and my guy came back and he said Steve I found a way to get up to where the sheep are at I said good because we're going to need a way to get up there because I just killed one he said what the hell are you talking about i said i just shot a sheep off that off that ledge up there he said you're kidding me i said no i'm serious he said that's got to be 40 yards i said well, i don't know how far it is but i said i'm just telling you i just killed a sheep and uh so we went and found this little trail and we got up there and there was come to find out there was 11 rams up there in fact i even took pictures of them with my little camera and uh, they didn't come out very good because, you know, little pocket yeah. cameras, you know. But they, they, the sheep kept looking at us, and then they'd look down the hill, and then they'd look at us, and they'd look down the hill. And I told my guide, I said, I'll bet you anything, that sheep's laying right there. I said, look how they keep looking down the hill. And sure enough, <laughs> there he was. He was dead as a doornail. And he said, man, you made a perfect shot. I said, yeah, the good Lord takes care of the stupid. I said, you know. <laughs> And he said, man, that was a hell of a shot. He said, That's, I can't believe it. He said, we've never had anybody make a shot like that. I said, well, it's just like shooting a, a mountain lion out of a tree. It's the same thing. You're shooting yeah. like straight up, you know. But I said, I was just lucky enough to, to hold her right. But it was hard to, it was even hard to stand still because the, the hill was so steep and my, my, my right foot kept slipping down. And I, I kept kind of coming to full draw and then i'd have to let up and get a better foothold and finally i just said hold it back and make a good shot and i and i did like i say it was probably a lot of luck but it uh end up uh had good results at the end and my guide was happy and i was happy and that was like the third day of the hunt and uh it was like a 13 or 14 day hunt and we ate the whole sheep i mean i never took <laughs> I never took any meat home. Can you believe that? <laughs> there was awesome. was two hunters and two guides, and these guides hadn't had anything but freeze dried for about a month, and they were looking for some they fresh starving sheep. for some sheep. Yeah, those, and we those ribs probably hit the fire quick, huh? Well, we even had sheep and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and we sheep in our lunch and sheep when we came back after hunting, but uh, we ate the whole doggone thing. And then my buddy he ended up killing his like a. I think it was the 11th or 12th day of the hunt, and he got to keep his whole sheep, but I never got any of it. He never even offered me any. <laughs> so much for my good buddy. Yeah, he ate on it all. He uh, ate on yours but, all week, though, didn't he? But sheep, sheep meat is really, really good. I've heard it's the oh, best. It, it is. He, he didn't find his way into elk camp the next year, did he? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I forgave him. <laughs> I forgave him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to go on a lot of hunts. Well, you've worked your worked your tail off to do it. It sounds like that's. Uh, that's well, awesome. I I tell everybody I work to support my habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah. And I don't drink, smoke, or chew. Yeah. I save my money, and when it comes time to go hunting, uh, I got money to do what I want to. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, 78. 78. No <laughs> Se- kidding. 78 years young. 78 years young. Seriously. <laughs> Still running. Man, you look excellent for yeah. 78 years Still old. Working. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Nobody ever, nobody ever guesses my age. I would have not guessed it. Yeah. Usually yeah. nobody's even. Maybe with, 60. Nobody's even within <laughs> t- 
10, year, ten yeah. years. Uh, yeah. yeah, if there would have been a camera on, I said double take. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I, so I, awesome. When I ran into you there in the booth, I was like, I know this guy. And it was just puzzling. <laughs> I was like, you don't forget if, you know, when you meet somebody. And uh, we spent so much time together at that banquet looking through your albums and, and asking you questions and hearing stories and stuff. And it just, it just took me a little while to put it together. You know, I don't look at myself as being old. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm young. I mean, yeah. that's how stupid I am. Yeah. I think I'm still 45 now instead yeah. of, you know, well, 78, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. my grandpa said getting old isn't for sissies. No, yeah. no. But, you know, there's guys in their 80s that's still hunting, and I'm thinking, you know, if they do it, I can do it. Yeah, like, yeah. well, I can tell you right now, um, guys like you are my inspiration. At, uh, a few years ago, I let myself kind of go, and I got uh, quite overweight, and I found myself – out elk hunting, like you said, you hear a bugle and your adrenaline will get you there. But it's on day six, seven, ten, eleven. It's hard to recover if you're not taking care of your body. And uh, my thing was, I want to hunt my seventies. That like that was the whole thing. And so every time I passed on a donut and I passed on a on yeah. a beer and I and I did uh, an extra set of burpees, it was just like bow hunting when you're seventy. Like that was that's the goal, and, and that yeah. continues to be the goal. Well, you know, elk hunting is tough, and the country that they live in is even tougher. I can remember, even when I was younger, I could see my camp. I could see my tent, but I didn't know if I had enough energy to get there. I mean, it might be a, a half mile. It might be a mile. And I'm thinking, God, give me the energy just to get in back there, you know, so yeah. I can at least get some sleep tonight, you know. Yeah. But it's like, man, oh, man, you know, just, I mean, you're just wore out. Yep, long days. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's fun, but I mean you just—I guess you you have to like the poison, <laughs> along with the pain, and it. Uh, and of course, the better shape you're in, the better you're gonna. Yeah. Especially the altitude. I used to camp at uh, like eleven thousand feet, and it would take me three days to get acclimated. Right. And uh, I actually had. Uh, uh, what do you call it the, 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 from the altitude sickness? Yeah. Yeah. I had that one time, and it just flat out ruined my hunt. I couldn't eat, and I, it was like the worst case of flu I ever had in my life. And I would hunt one day, and I would walk uh, maybe a quarter mile, and I'd have to sit down for a half hour. And uh, then the next day, I'd be too sick to hunt. Yeah, and I didn't know what altitude sickness was at the time, but if I would have went down two or 3,000 feet for a day or so, I, I would have been okay, but I didn't know that. So I kept trying to hunt, and it, it just didn't work out, and I, I had to kind of cut that hunt short and go home early. But, uh, yeah, you got to be really careful. Now where I'm at now, it's like 8,500 feet, and uh, after the second day, I mean, I can just do anything I want to. But the first day, I just kind of take it easy. I might go set a water hole or I might watch a trail or just scout around. And then the second day, I do a little bit more. And then the third day, man, I mean, I'm, I go after them the third day yeah. <laughs> from then on, you know. Yeah, I tell guys there's being in shape and then there's being in elk shape. And you, and you don't want to get uh, altitude sickness, believe me. Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds brutal. But I, see, I, I, we didn't know anything about altitude. I, I hunt a lot of my elk at uh, zero to fifteen hundred feet because I'm on the coast. Wow! So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't think I do too well at eleven thousand, being uh, coast coasty. Yeah. 
Well, you know, a nice thing about where I'm at now, I'm just uh, north of Meeker a little bit, and it's like around 8,500 feet. Um, it don't uh, it don't get cold. One day, I've been hunting there about five or six years, and one day it it frosted, and it most of the time it'd be. It might get up to 75 in the daytime, and in the morning when you get up, it's like 40 degrees, 45 degrees. And it, I mean, it's just completely different than being up at 10, 5, 11,000, you know. Yeah. But that's something to remember, too. Yeah, heck yeah. And make sure you filter the water. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds and like you learned that one the hard way. I, I did, believe <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You you got uh what other advice do you got uh here? Yeah, what do you got for the young guys, us us young guys out there? Got a well, lifetime just, ahead of us bow hunting. Watch the watch the wind. <laughs> watch the wind. Don't drink the water without filtering it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it'd be your worst nightmare. Yeah, we we always say at the end of this. Uh, I had Jordy, like I say, it believe me, it it just flat out ruined one of my hunts. And you only got so many September, so filter the water. <laughs> Actually, I killed this huge mule deer. It was like a 180 mule deer. And I was so sick that I couldn't pack it out. And I had my second wife with me, and she was a pretty strong gal. And she actually packed out most of the elk, or the deer, I mean. And <laughs> if I'd have been by myself, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> But we uh, we decided we were going to go into Glenwood Springs and celebrate. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to get a surf and turf. Because no matter how sick you are, you ought to be able to eat that, right? Right. <laughs> I took like two bites and I got sick. My wife ended up eating the rest of it for dinner the next day. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, don't don't drink the water without filtering it. It might look clean. But there's little buggies in there jumping around, you know. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate your time, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, staying uh, in contact with you. And Not a problem. I've had yeah, fun, we, too. We've been – I hear your stories forever, man. I love it. <laughs> I could tell you a lot more. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, we have to get you back on. And, uh, <laughs> Keep after it, man. Keep keep after it. We'll uh, get a hold of the after elk season again. And yeah. See how it goes. Any other hunts coming up or just elk? I really don't have the time. I got to work to support my habit. <laughs> of course, it. all my guys are depending on me. Yeah. If I don't keep them in work, they don't have any money for their families and stuff. Yeah. So I work like a dog, like say, to support my habit and support my <laughs> my people work for me. That's awesome. I don't know if they appreciate it. I guess I hope they do, but I'm sure they do. Well, for uh, everyone out there listening, um, you know, I, I hope this is a big inspiration to you guys because it is for me. And um, we've got the new website launching this week. You can find some uh, TradQuest hats, shirts, stickers on the website. Uh, don't forget to become a member of Compton Traditional. They're doing awesome things for our community. Um, yeah, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Leave us a five-star review. 
and keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. Absolutely. Frosty before the sun comes up, the geese are on the wing. The deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect a thing. I can't take it any longer, I've got to breathe some air. The only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. Get outside so I can fling a few. Woo-hoo. 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 Woo-